All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Liam McCollum Show. Today, I have Bart Crabtree on. I've been meaning to get him on the show for a long time now, um, and I think he has an incredible story and um, an incredible mission. And I just wanted to bring him on to talk about the Montana Citizens Council on Judicial Accountability and the type of legislation they're pursuing. Uh, Welcome to the show, Bart. Thank you, Liam. Glad to be here. Yeah, so the the first thing... um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, tell the audience a little bit about you and your mission and, and kind of the purpose of the Montana Citizens Council on Judicial Accountability. Yeah, you bet. Um, like I said, I'm glad to be here and uh, sharing this experience with everybody. Um, I am the founding director of the, it was originally the Montana uh, State Council on Judicial Accountability. Uh, recently, we amended our name. <clears throat> we uh, dropped the word state and inserted the word citizens. Uh, the reason we did that is because we, uh, a lot of people were thinking we are a, a government agency is because we had the word state in it. So we amended it to, to the Montana Citizens Council on Judicial Accountability. <clears throat> um, we have a, our vision and our mission stated on our website which is just at um, mtscoja.org. You can go to our website and and look at our vision and our mission and all the information as to what we're doing. Um, One of those uh, things that we're working on diligently right now is amending grand jury laws in the state of Montana to make it easier to impanel grand juries to go after corruption in our judiciary. And when I tell you there is corruption in our judiciary, there is. Um, there is, I mean, the vast majority of judges and, and people in the judicial system are good, hardworking people. The problem is there are some bad apples in there and the good ones simply turn a blind eye to it. And that's what we're trying to change. Um, we're, we're seeing judges that violate judicial canon of ethics they, they violate, violate uh, statutes, Montana laws, when they're on the bench. They legislate from the bench, and this is wrong. And this is why we're, we're moving forward to changes, because innocent people and families are being hurt by this, because nothing has been done about it. There's simply no accountability uh, uh, with judges, uh, police officers, prosecutors across the state of Montana. And um, as you know, uh, one of the bills that we brought in 2021 uh, was House Bill 685 that would abolish the Judicial Standards Commission. Now, the Judicial Standards Commission is comprised of only five people and is chaired by two district court judges. And what that commission does is oversees complaints or grievances against judges. So you can see the inherent problem there, Liam. Uh, You have judges overseeing grievances, serious grievances against other judges. And over the last eight years, which is the last four biennial reports given to the legislature by the Judicial Standards Commission, over 98% of all complaints have been summarily dismissed by the Judicial Standards Commission. So we feel it's a very serious problem. Um, When the bill went out of the House Judiciary Committee on the the second reading on the House floor, um, because of heavy lobbying against it by the Supreme Court justices, 
um, the Montana Trial uh, Lawyers Association, um, Montana Bar, the, the Montana Judges Association. Um, it, it failed on the second reading on the House floor by a vote of like 47 to 51. There was a couple people that were absent that didn't vote. Uh, the good news is um, a few legislators uh, recommended it be sent on to the Law and Justice Interim Committee, and that's where it's been for the last year. And the great news is just last Monday, well, a week and a half ago, um, they took a vote to send it forward to the 23 uh, legislature, uh, supposedly to do a full audit of the Judicial Standards Commission. That's what we're looking at. Um, it was a nine to three vote. We were really excited about that, not just because it won and advanced, but also because three Democrats came on board with it. I think they can see the value and the importance of, of upholding the integrity of our judiciary. Um, our, our judiciary just had, it has a black eye because it's, it, it's had no accountability for a long time. So that's what we're looking to change. Now, what would an audit do as opposed to getting rid of this commission? Are they looking at the percentages of um, complaints that are being turned down? What are what will this audit specifically look for? Well, yeah, we've already established that it has an extremely large dismissal rate, over 98%, as I mentioned. Um, but the important thing that when they do an audit of the Judicial Standards Commission, it will look into all of the cases that they have actually dismissed. And okay, so say we, we look at case number 439, whatever it is, and the, the, uh, the audit will bring out the fact that, hey, this judge actually did something wrong here, but yet the commission vote to simply dismiss it when they should have handled it and, and brought some accountability to that particular judge. There are serious, serious um, breaches of trust being committed by judges across the state. So, uh, and it's important that the citizens realize this. Now, I'm wondering, are you familiar with any stories that can kind of convey just how um, um, important this is? I, sometimes people really need stories to kind of like convey the message. Um, are, have there been any examples as you've been lobbying for this legislation, as you've been trying to spread the message that you've encountered that have really motivated you and, and moved you to get behind this? Are there any very... Um, egregious examples of judges uh, violating their um, authority that you've yes. encountered? <laughs> yes, thanks for asking that. That's an important question because, matter of fact, um, just about an hour ago, I met with another guy um, here in Great Falls at a coffee shop, actually where I'm at right now, and met with him for the first time. And it's not just the judges, it's happening with our local police department, especially here in Great Falls, Montana. It's happening across the state with police departments and probation parole. Um, it was quite a story that this guy uh, informed me about and I'm gonna meet up with him again and, and, uh, and follow up. But the, the, the seriousness of, of uh, these ethics violations, um, police filing false reports in order to get uh, people charged with something, this is what actually happened to me about five or six years ago. It actually happened to me and it, it grossly affected myself and my family. Um, I ended up spending about seven months in jail over something I never did. Uh, they falsely accused me of it. They lied in the police report. Um, they ended up, uh, ended up going to trial with it. 
I just did a pro se, meaning that I didn't have an attorney. I didn't see any point in having to fork out ten or $20,000 to be represented. Um, and when I went into court, I expected the truth to be told. And it wasn't. Um, a, a Great Falls police detective lied. The state's main witness, who is my primary accuser, she committed multiple counts of perjury. And the local county attorney here and the judge all know that this happened, and yet they've done nothing about it. Um, so I, I personally was, was seriously affected by this. I missed my daughter's entire senior year of high school because of it. And after that, I, I, I just had to do something about it. Something has to be done with these people. Um, they, they just, they're not honest. They're not being honest with the, the Montana citizens. So that's my why, you know, people are more interested in why you're doing something instead of what you're doing. Um, our organization um, has a full board of directors across the state of Montana. We're very active. We hold um, community forums and legislator roundtables across Montana. As a matter of fact, we'll be in Bozeman next Saturday, uh, six o'clock. And we're gonna be talking about uh, bringing grand jury legislation. Um, one of our board members has been heading up a committee specifically going after a standing master judge down in Bozeman and a nefarious organization called Family Bridges. Um, we're going to be Zooming that meeting in, by the way, and I don't have the login information right now, but I can get that to you. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing uh, stories constantly. I'm getting letters. We get letters every week from people across Montana being affected by this and it's real it is real yeah i think i think people across the political spectrum are aware of uh, the need for accountability um interestingly i think that this is some uh, a place where the left and the right can actually have a meeting of the minds um we, we've seen many calls for uh you know repealing um qualified immunity from the left and i think that this effort that you're kind of pursuing with the the grand jury is uh, within the same ballpark. Do you want to explain what that grand jury legislation would do and, and uh, what the purpose of that would be? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Actually, it's pretty pretty exciting. Um, and I wanted to touch just briefly on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it, it's a term called criminogenics. Criminogenics is actually started at the top at the federal level. And when states see the, the federal uh, division getting away with these crimes, as we all see every day across America, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's no question about it. But then the, the state judiciary starts behaving in the same bent way that the feds are. And then it doesn't stop there. When our state agencies see our judiciary getting away with bent activity or nefarious activity, then they start acting nefariously as well. And we are seeing that all the time with agencies such as CPS, Child Protective Services. We all know what's going on there. And that is something that is being seriously dealt with right now with some legislators. There's gonna be a lot of information and bills coming in uh, 2023. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, um, the, uh, Excuse me, I got a little bit of a cough here. Um, grand jury, uh, we all have a constitutional right to a grand jury. 
Um, a grand jury is not your typical jury called a petted jury in a criminal trial, which we all know is 12 people, okay? A grand jury is a special group of citizens that are impaneled to actually investigate a crime. Um, typically the way it's done now is our police officers or sheriff's deputies investigate a crime and then submit the information to the county attorney's office who then submits a warrant or a, a request for a warrant for arrest um, for a certain individual or group of individuals. But a grand jury simply looks at the facts of a case and then would hand down an indictment which would force a prosecutor and a judge to charge somebody with a crime and, and uh, prosecute them and try to convict them of that crime that they've been investigated for. Um, in the state of Montana, however, the only way to get a grand jury impaneled is at the discretion of a district court judge, okay? So we can see the inherent problem with that. Judges protect judges, judges protect police officers. Um, they're all in the system. So what we're looking at amending are the laws and the statute on grand jury in Montana, which would, for example, allow a petition to be signed by, for example, one half of 1% of the population of the county. So like here in Great or in Cascade County, that would be about 450 people. If you had that many people sign the petition and that petition is submitted to the clerk of district court, that would force the judge to impanel the grand jury. No more of this at the discretion of the district court judge. You know, let the grand jury do the investigating, let them make the decision. I think you'll start seeing a lot of changes coming with that. And these would be state statutes that would be applied at all 56 counties across Montana. Um, every county would have the right to impanel their own grand jury if they, if they see something wrong. Are you seeing a lot of support behind this bill? Have you talked with any legislators, any other uh, organizations? And what are you hearing from people about that? There is a lot of support for it out there. Um, I've been going around giving a PowerPoint presentation on it um, myself, plus with the Montana Citizens Council. Um, the, the Montana Republican Party, even though this is, again, a non, uh, nonpartisan issue, the, the uh, GOP had their con annual convention down in uh, Billings a couple months ago, and it's, it's on their uh, platform now, uh, number, resolution number 10, I believe, is that they are wanting to pursue some changes in grand jury laws as well, because I think because of what we've been pushing for the last year and a half. So it's exciting. I think it's gonna come with a lot of bipartisan support. Um, I think it's gonna pass overwhelmingly. Uh, at least I hope it will. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but uh, we're getting a lot of support. When I show the PowerPoint presentation, people are just almost in awe about it. They're, they're, they don't realize that it was even an option. So um, it's opening up the doors of information for, for the people of Montana and we're glad we're doing it. Are, do you, does your organization, um, are, 
is it looking into qualified immunity legislation in the state? Are you interested in that at all? Yeah, we definitely are. Um, we've talked to a couple of legislators about this. Um, I think as most people know, judges have absolute immunity. And about five years ago, prosecutors had what they call qualified immunity. Um, not quite as much immunity as a judge has. However, in 2017, come to find out, our legislator um, ended up giving prosecutors absolute immunity as well, which I found to be pretty shocking. And we're looking to change that back. Now, I, I would stress here that these immunity laws that judges and prosecutors have, it is for honest mistakes that they make. That's why it was started for them to protect them from honest mistakes that they make. But some of these things that prosecutors and judges are doing are not being done by mistake. They're doing it with intentionality. And um, even with immunity laws, if a prosecutor or a judge breaks the law, if they commit a crime, they are not covered by the immunity clauses. Um, nevertheless, we're going to start with the, the uh, absolute immunity on prosecutors and try to get that reversed. Um, I don't know how that'll go. We're just starting on that. So, yeah, I think I think the whole question about immunity is kind of uh, muddied sometimes because the left only focuses on police officers. But when you when you start to talk to people about the fact that a lot of public officials have immunity, even sometimes teachers and and they have immunity and they're protected by public unions and stuff like this. Um, I think then you can kind of change the conversation around immunity if you are able to explain to people that this is judges. These are people in agencies. It's not just police that that have immunity. And I'd like to see more of a conversation surrounding that in Montana, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, our focus is on on the judicial system. Obviously, you know, that's our mission. That's our vision. And uh, it really doesn't go into like the education area, you know, schools and all that, although it could. But right now we really have our hands full uh, just focusing on, on the judiciary. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to also say, remember back in 2021, um, many people remember the big email scandal with the Supreme Court. Okay, our bill, that House Bill 685 with the Judicial Standards Commission uh, was actually one of the bills that manifested all that. Uh, many of the emails back and forth with the Supreme Court justices and other people focused in on our House Bill 685 lobbying against it, as you recall. So, I mean, obviously the, the main bill that manifested that whole thing was Keith Regeer's uh, Senate Bill 140, I think it was. Yeah, it was uh, 140. Gave, yeah, which gave uh, the governor uh, the full power uh, to make appointments to uh, open district court seats um, rather than using the judicial uh, nomination commission, I guess is what it was. Uh, that was done away with, but uh, they put up a good fight over that again because they didn't want to lose any of the power. They had power to appoint their, the people they wanted um, to the seats, the district court seats. So uh, that took that away from them, which is what's going to happen with the Judicial Standards Commission. Um, it's going to put oversight 
of people in our judiciary with we the people, not right. with people in the in the justice system. And rightfully so, it should be with we the people. Yeah. So so with Senate Bill 140, there was this organization that selected the few judges that um that the governor had to pick from that he would appoint, correct? Like there was this they picked within a narrow framework which judges the governor got to select. And now after Senate Bill 140, the governor has, I guess, more freedom to pick judges and it's not within the the limits that this organization set. That's correct. That's exactly what it is. Yep. And then and then for people who aren't familiar with that controversy with the Supreme Court, um, do you want to just explain what happened? Um, I, I think it had something to do with the discretion and the constitutional constitutionality of this bill. And there was like an email exchange that occurred among the Supreme Court justices about this specific bill. And then I think one Supreme Court justice actually approached a legislator um, advocating against the bill or I think even met with Gianforte. And then this spawned a whole controversy that led to the Supreme Court recusing themselves or at least a few of them. Right. Yeah, that was actually Chief Justice Mike McGrath that actually went to, from my understanding, went to uh, Governor Gianforte's office and uh, basically lobbied against it. Um, from my understanding, but I'm, I'm not real familiar with all the details of the Senate Bill 140, but you are correct. There were a lot of emails that were released. Um, but as I said, a lot of those emails pertain to, ended up pertaining to our House Bill 685 uh, concerning abolishing the Judicial Standards Commission. So obviously those in power in our judiciary are very concerned about it because they don't want to give up that that authority. And by the way, I pointed out to the Law and Justice Interim Committee when I was the panelist there in May, um, our constitution of the state of Montana says that our legislature shall make the appointments to the Judicial Standards Commission. Now, mind you, this was 50 years ago when we came out with our state constitution. So for 50 years, um, the appointments to that Judicial Standards Commission have been unconstitutional because it gives the legislature the power to make the appointments. So I would ask you and your audience, why is it we have been allowing our chief or the Supreme Court to make one, one of the appointments and, and um, the Montana Judges Association to make two of the appointments? So in effect, you have our judiciary making three of the five appointments to our Judicial Standards Commission when it is supposed to be done by our legislature or we the people. So that's that's a very important point. I'm glad you brought that up, reminded me. Yeah, so in effect, we have this organization selecting the judges that are about to be appointed, uh, but we also have another board that is in charge of oversight um, effectively these people that are appointed by the Supreme Court oversee the Supreme Court and the the complaints about the Supreme Court justices. Um, so ef effectively what has happened, the appointee process for 50 years was uh, turned away from the legislative power that the Constitution set up, but then also the oversight power that the legislature had was also given to the to the judicial process. 
Um, so the whole thing's backwards. And uh, Senate Bill 140, um, that changed the appointee process. Now the governor has a broader range of, of judges that he can appoint. And then the other bill is looking to um, amend the oversight process and, and put that back into the legislature's hands. Yes, yes. At a minimum. At a minimum, they will do that. I'm very confident in that. Um, a number of the legislators on that committee are fully behind what we're doing. Uh, we even submitted a proposed state bill. It's about, I don't know, 16 pages long as far as implementing a citizen's oversight commission in place of what we have now. It's, it's a very important step. And, and like one of the, the senators on that committee said, it's going to take a lot of heavy lifting. And we agree with him. And we told him we're we're ready to help you do that. Uh, we think it's that important. Um, but yes, uh, the Constitution uh, regarding the Judicial Standards Commission, the oversight of judges, um, states that the legislature is to make the appointments, those five appointments to those five positions. But we've been letting our judiciary appoint three of those five for the last 50 years. And it's, it's kind of I don't know if an anomaly is the, the right word to use, but it's interesting that nobody has caught that all these years. Nobody has noticed that and they've just been doing it. So mm. anyway, do you know what the, what the legal justification has been? Do you know if the legislature created this board and gave that power to the judiciary? Is that, do you know if that's how it started and that's why they were able to get away with it? Well, the constitution of the state of Montana right. created it. And then of course the statutes follow the constitution, at least they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes. And actually our judicial standards commission was uh, kind of copied um, by the New Mexico um, judicial standards commission. I can't remember if that's the precise name of their oversight commission down there, but it has about 12 or 13 members on it. So, um, and I pointed out to the committee, a number of other states that have commissions for oversight that include about anywhere from 11 to 14 members. So, you know, why is it that Montana only has five and why is it, it is chaired by two district court judges? Mm. So uh, these are some things that we want to change. Yeah. And would, would the citizen overwrite committee or oversight committee, would that be within the same structure it's just that the the pool of people who would sit on it would be citizens as opposed to um district judges what would it still be with like the same system or are you planning on making a, a completely different oversight committee it, it would be a little bit different it would be split up into like thirds where you would have a group of citizens like a third of the commission say four people that would review the initial complaints and from there, they could either deny it or go ahead and advance it to the second group of people that would ver verify everything. And it would basically work up a, a ladder up to the point where uh, the third section would actually have a hearing or a trial against a certain judge for ethical violations or uh, criminal violations or, or what have you. So and. Uh, and then this commission would be ever evolving. It would be changing all the, not all the time, but uh, for instance, you might have one citizen that would be on there for two or three or four years, um, but then it would it'd be on a rotating basis. Mm, but okay. um, we're a firm believer in, in allowing the citizens to have 
uh, be more active in our government. And that means in the Oversight Commission too. And this is filtering into other agencies too. There's some other agencies um, we're looking at developing a Citizens Oversight Commission too, because they're, they're self-disciplining as well. It's not good when our agencies are self-disciplining. Right. We all know that, yeah. Yeah, you, you referenced it earlier and I just wanted to highlight this, but um, you were talking about CPS and family bridges. Can you just explain more um, about that problem and, and what your organization would like to address uh, and, and what changes you think could happen? Well, the family bridges issue down in Bozeman um, and some in Billings is, is pretty much separate from the issues that we're hearing about and seeing with CPS, even though CPS kind of does leak into the family bridges thing. <coughs> but... Um, you know, I might, um, just so I don't trip over my tongue here, you might want to actually interview our board member, Elizabeth Peterson down in Billings. Um, she's the one that's heading up that committee, has all the information on that. But I can tell you just highlighting it, in essence, what it involves is a standing master judge. And that standing master judge specifically this one in, in Gallatin County, is appointed by district court judges. And that standing master judge responsibility is to handle family court issues, usually, you know, divorces and child custody cases. And then enters in this organization called Family Bridges. They are out of uh, California. They set up camp in Bozeman some years back and have just wreaked havoc on families down there, uh, taking kids to these so-called reunification camps. Um, I, I think I probably ought to stop there. I think if you interviewed Elizabeth, she can give you all the details on it. And she, she's really a good interviewee too. Yeah, I'd love to. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. get her uh, contact info from you. Okay. Um, the, the last thing that you and I have talked about that I, I wanted to bring up, um, is jury nullification. Is there any legislation that you've looked at um, or that you're you're going to look at uh, in regards to jury nullification and maybe education? Um, I, I know that people have talked about requiring um, juries to be informed about jury nullification and the right uh, to nullify. Um, is that something that, that you guys are interested in? I, I know we've talked about it just on a personal level. Yeah, we actually, we do have it on our list. We have not done much um, reviewing of the process. Um, so to answer your question, we don't have any plans on bringing during nullification bills to the legislator, uh, legislature this uh, next winter. Um, not to say that we won't, but it is on our list. Um, we're actually going to be having a board meeting next Saturday in Bozeman. And our list is quite extensive. And so we have to pare it down in order of importance. Uh, not only as a board, but as citizens of Montana, what they think needs to be done. So, um, yes, if your listeners and people across Montana would like us to to tackle this jury nullification issue, we're more than willing to, you know, look into it, study up on it, um, approach some legislators that might be interested in carrying the bill. Um, and I want to add too that, you know, we've worked hard over this uh, last three years, uh, what we're doing and in my opinion, we've we've grown a pretty darn good reputation 
because what we testify on and what we bring um, is honest. It's, you know, we don't embellish things. We bring the facts to the table. And the legislators that we work with appreciate that. And what we're driving for, uh, obviously, is we want to be to the point, and someday soon I think we will be, where a legislator will come to us and ask us, is there anything that I can sponsor for you guys? You know, and um, that, that's, that's quite an honor, actually, when, when they do that. They trust us. Uh, they know that what we bring to them are facts. Uh, it's just uh, no bull. You know, they are becoming aware of the seriousness of the problems and the issues that we're facing. So, yeah, well, I, I'm really happy with the work that I've seen come out of your organization. And I mean, you definitely made the press being involved in that uh, scandal with uh, the Supreme Court. Um, and then <laughs> you've been tarnished by the press personally. Um, so I, I'm just happy. I mean, that, that's something, you know, you're doing something right when that happens. So I'm just happy to see it. Uh, and I, I hope to, um, interview you later and, and I'm sure I'll have you back on the show and I'll have to get Elizabeth on too. Um, but yeah, I'd love to continue to support you guys. And I hope everyone else comes out to support you and go see your website. I'll link to that in the description and then everything else like your um, future events and any other legislation or articles you want. But if there's anything else that you want to say before you go uh, or any links or um, social media profiles that you want to tell people about, please do. Yeah, actually I would. Um, since we're on here, there's another organization um, very Christian based that we are, I shouldn't say we are, because as a board and organization, we're not affiliated with them. I am personally. Um, and the organization's name is Tactical Civics. Um, you can go look at it at tacticalcivics.com. And the reason I got in, involved with them um, is because they are pushing grand jury legislation issues in all 50 states uh, across the United States, all 3,141 counties across America. Tactical Civics um, has numerous books on, on grand jury. Um, they have a book called Starting Over America. You'd have to go on there and look at it, but it's a very worthwhile organization. And I decided to come become involved with them because they're meeting with us alongside of us reissue. And they have a lot of information on it. Uh, actually, my PowerPoint presentation, I got a lot of my information from uh, uh, the book that's published by them. So uh, I would encourage your listeners to maybe go and take a look at them and consider becoming a member. It's only like $5 a month. It's it's really nothing to, to join them. So a cup of coffee, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll link to that as well. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show and then I'll I'll put the details to your event in Bozeman that's coming up in the description oh, as well. If people want thank to go to that. Um, and yeah, let's just stay in touch. I'll, I'd love to have you back on the show again. Thanks for coming on. Oh, I'd love to. Thanks, Liam.